Good morning. Good morning. Um, when you listen to this, it probably won't be morning because we're not going to finish recording until afternoon because it's late morning. But good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but good afternoon anyway. We are having to record this last minute on the day that we are supposed to be releasing because something happened with the audio file of our previous recording. So this is actually the second time we are doing this episode. Yeah, Which, so if my my laughing at Marcy's jokes sounds fake, it's because I've already heard them. It's because it is and because they're not funny. <laughs> that one was good. That one that one hit. The perception of that one was okay. Alright, good. So, Krub, how are you? What's going on on this Monday morning? I am so sleepy. I had to bed at four in the morning for real reasons, such as working on my writing. Still don't still doesn't feel good. Still don't yeah. still don't feel great. Meanwhile, I knew I had a day off today and I was really excited about having a day off today. And I had a really long bad day yesterday. So when I came home, I literally just played the Sims for like six hours. Oh no, why was your day bad? It was just it was like I don't know. It was cold and rainy, which I know is stupid, but I have to take public transit to work. So when it's cold and rainy, that like is just a bad start to the day. And then I don't know. It was just one of those days where like there never felt like there was enough time to get done, like all the little tasks I needed to get done. Mm. And people were just like really needy, you know, like it's like I have all these things on my plate and other people are also needing a lot of things for me in addition to what I already have on my plate. And it's raining outside and I'm cold and I forgot my jacket at home because I was running late because I was working on a Sunday. And on Sundays, the metro only runs like once every like 15 minutes. So if you miss your train, you're going to be 15 minutes late to work. So then you have to like really only like you have to be really on time. And so I was running late. And so I ran out of the house without my jacket and it was like 47 degrees or something. And I was really cold. This isn't interesting. It is to me. Because I care about you. Because you're my brother. Because I love um, you. No, so sweet. So kind. I want to apologize for my voice right now at the beginning of the episode because I did wake up like half an hour ago. That's it. That was the whole message. Thanks for coming <laughs> to my TED Talk. Oh my God. Yeah, you definitely have sleepy voice still. I got sleepy voice. Um, You might have noticed that this episode is coming out on a Monday, not a Sunday. You might have. And that is... Because we are now releasing episodes on Mondays instead of Sundays. It just works better for our schedules. It's literally it. So you're welcome, all you you're Monday welcome. people. Also, in the future, you should be getting it Monday morning, like before you go to work or whatever, so you can actually listen to it in the morning. Um, today was just a weird day with our audio problems. So I literally almost cried when you were like, oh, we lost the audio. I know. It was very sad. <laughs> I. C- I was so upset. Oh my god, Gray, I just suddenly got so hungry. Go eat some cereal. I don't have any milk. I don't know what to tell you. Eat it dry. I don't want you to eat it dry. It's the worst. Eating cereal dry makes me feel like I'm on like a field trip. And so, because our, our parents didn't pack our lunch boxes in elementary school, so we always got like the school lunch. And so the only time they packed our lunches was when we went on a field trip. And I feel like sometimes like, 
our like our mom didn't buy us lunch packy things because yep. we didn't usually pack our lunches you know like she didn't buy like the little snack pack of stuff um so eating dry cereal makes me feel like i'm on like a weird field trip or something like out of a ziploc baggie you know sitting there in the bus crunching it mm-hmm. while everyone else around you is yelling yeah the bus You're driver is flying chaos. over a pothole <laughs> She has no care in the world. She has literally no care. If you die, you die. And there's no (laughs) seatbelts on a school bus. Can we? Can we? Hey, hey, can we talk about that for a second? There's no seatbelts on like any buses. They're not on city buses or anything either. But those are the only like instances where it's like just fine if you die from it. And like, okay, city buses. mm, I mean, not great. But like it's not targeted towards children, <laughs> you know. Like a school bus, all it does is cart children around, and they yeah. said we don't need seatbelts. And sometimes, honestly, quite often on school buses, you'd be sitting like three people to a row, which is one more person than they're supposed to be, and so the person on the end has to activate their abs and legs and arms <laughs> the whole time, so they that when the bus do. turns, they aren't flung across the aisle. They're like sitting like, half off of the seat. You're trusting in the athletic capabilities of a nine-year-old. You know. really are. Like they are their own seatbelt. It's up to you as the child to stay in your seat and stay safe. Exactly. See, this is a ridiculous concept. All right. Do we have any other announcements? Uh, you, do we? I don't know. We're switching to Mondays. Um, we talked about school buses for a long time. We really <laughs> talked about school buses for a it's long like time. It's like eleven forty. What the heck? It's like eleven in the morning. Good God. Okay, we need to move on. Um, so I think the only other announcement is that we have a website, which is called bookinsiblings dot com. You should go to it because there's going to be a post up about this episode today. And this episode is a bit of a doozy and you're probably going to want to see that post. If- I knew you were going to say doozy. My brain was like, Marcy's going to say doozy and it's going to be <laughs> lit. And then you did. Was it lit? Not as lit. I mean, yeah, it's just the word doozy. <laughs> I don't know. I hyped it up in my mind. Oh, my God. Okay. Wh- we should do our little intro. Hi, I'm Gray. And I'm Marcy. I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is Bookends, a literary podcast. Where we do what? We talk about books. books. So it's October. Yes, which it is. means things are spooky. It's spooky season. It's Halloween. It's the whole time. The harvest, I think. Or is that November? Is it? I thought that was November. I'm really a lot of steps removed from agriculture, so... That's true. All I, I know is we know. got pumpkins. We got pumpkins. All I know is we, we got, got pumpkins. We got gourds. We have all kinds of squash. You gotta get yourself a gourd. <laughs> is it even October if you don't get a gourd? It's not. No. No. You gotta get those tiny little ones that are white and they look like small pumpkins. Those little boys, the one. Do you just mean the the small pumpkins? Because they are those small pumpkins. They make small pumpkins, but they're white. Yeah, pumpkins come in more than one color. What? Yeah, they're just a little pump. You thought they were just a pumpkin-like thing? They're little pumpkins. Yeah. They are pumpkins. 
How do they come in different colors? Genetics? What? And then they just let them be small, I guess. I don't really know the, like, process, but... Oh, my God. They're miniature pumpkins. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. I thought they were just a pumpkin-like substance. No, they're actual <laughs> pumpkins, Craig. Oh, well, they're really small and very cute, so get yourself one. Yeah, I agree. One. <clears throat> I have one on my bedside table. It's my only fall decor. <laughs> <laughs> It's your only friend is what I thought you were going to say. Oh, my God. No, that's insane. Um, so in honor of it being pumpkin season, we have a theme this month. What's our theme? Colts. Colts. Colts, Colts. are scary. Colts are scary. They're not seasonal. I understand colts are a year-round sort of phenomenon. Colts um, only come out in October. It <laughs> came out with a new cult this October. So anyway. we are discussing um, cults for this month. However, for my segment this this week, uh, I didn't want to do cults. Sorry. So I just went with sort of a spooky theme. So I'm excited to announce to you all a new segment. This one I will be doing more than once. Um, yes. But this one is themed. And it is. Garbage Pail, the Spooktober edition. Ooh, spooky. What is, what is Garbage Pail? Garbage Pail is a sort of uh, play on words in that people think romances are garbage. <laughs> and I like them. So I'm sorry to everyone who doesn't because you don't like fun and you don't think that books can just be fun. Um, but I like to read romances. I like to talk about them. And so Garbage Pail is sort of an ode to all of those who think that because a book focuses on love, that it is not worth reading and is not a quality sort of item. However, it also references the fact that sometimes they suck. Just like every other genre, there's things that suck in it. So there you go. The concept of it. One man's trash is another man's treasure. There's some treasures in here. There's also some trash. And that is life, you know? So Such is life. Garbage pail is really an analogy for the rest of your life. For the rest of sort of everything. So um, the other thing is that since it's October, I was like, I want to read some spooky love stories. Like some stuff that sort of is like thriller and horror, but also romance. Um, it turns out that's asking a lot. <laughs> Apparently. It turns out that that is asking a lot because it was exceedingly difficult to find things that weren't too young because there's a lot of paranormal romance out there that is like written for a younger audience than me, which is fine. Those things need to exist. I just am not that audience. And so also paranormal romance doesn't necessarily mean that it's scary. It just means there's like a hot vampire or werewolf or something, you know? You can say Twilight. It's okay. Well, no, but there's more than Twilight. Twilight but I just mean is, sort of like, Twilight let's not dance around it. the facts. Yeah, started it. Twilight started it, but Twilight did not end it. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? Twilight began a boom of paranormal romance, and we're still sort of living in the waves of Twilight. Anyway. Post-Twilight world. We live in a post-Twilight world, in this post-Twilight economy. The other sort of side of that is that... AT after Twilight. Sorry, I'm <laughs> Oh, my God. 
<laughs> it is the year of our Lord. What? How many? 2009? Hey Siri. Oop. What can I do for you? When was Twilight by Stephanie Meyer released? What the frick? I bet if I ask Alexa, she'll know. Hey Alexa. <laughs> when was Twilight by Stephanie Meyer published? And I rest my case. Uh, no one could hear at all what it said. Oh, well, Alexa knew. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what, what year was it? 2005. Oh, my God. Are you serious? So, in the year of our Lord, 14 years AT, <laughs> after Twilight. 14 years AT, after Twilight. Um, we are still sort of living in the world of Twilight, unfortunately. At least in the paranormal romance kind of realm. A lot of things are still being influenced by that. That's not necessarily bad. It's not what I wanted, though. Um, on the other side of that, you get, there's like a lot of horror erotica, because I guess it lends itself really easily to BDSM, um, which is not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of like BDSM horror. I legitimately did not know that. It really just, that was not the vibe. Um, so I had to find something that was sort of in the middle there where it was like intended for an older audience and like was a real romance and was also scary, but also wasn't just like explicit. Yeah. It wasn't just straight up erotica the entire time. Yeah. Which is fine. Just not your cup of tea. No. And I don't think it's really the listener's cup of tea either. Sort of. Hey, also, you don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know, but I mean, I, I it's not the kind of thing we talk about usually on this That's podcast. That's true. We're not going to have an erotica for us to read. Yeah, it's it's not sort of our brand. So, And then also, I don't like dystopian books. I don't know. I didn't know that about you. Um, Yeah, I don't read a dystopian for the most part. It has to be really good to intrigue me. I'm just kind of over the concept. I don't know. I know that it's um like a reflection of our fears as a society, but I know our fears as a society, and I don't really feel like reading about them. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be reading the new... um? Oh my God, what is it? Suzanne Collins' book? Nope. It's a prequel? I will not be. I don't care about the Hunger Games universe. Really? No, I don't. Interesting. <clears throat> I just am not. in, And I, I think also part of it is that dystopian futures are always, it's always the same. Like, it's the same girl in all of them. <laughs> it's all just like, I didn't know I was hot. I'm really good at archery. <laughs> I'm and tough. and that is the influence of Suzanne Collins. That is the influence of Suzanne Collins. We are also living in a post-Hunger Games world. You really are. Anyway, I think that's my issue is more the um, dystopian heroine. And so Fair enough. it's really hard to find a dystopian that doesn't have that sort of like influence to it. Um, anyway, so those were sort of the struggles I had with finding books for this. I will also say this whole thing is kind of a study in goodreads search functions and list listopia so i have a lot of feelings about the fact that i can't filter my searches more i really want that i want it to be able to be like i want it to be romance and horror and i want to exclude erotica i want to exclude erotica and maybe even exclude ya just to see if anything existed that wasn't also categorized as ya because it was really hard Mm -hmm. um and I would have loved to be able to add in LGBT. That was not a possible. <laughs> so, which is actually surprising to me that there are not really any like queer couple focused paranormal 
romances that are not you know what I mean like that fit that category that's kind of surprising to me but yeah I found maybe one that might have fit I don't really know because I didn't get to read it but it wasn't available at my library and oh yeah I can't afford to just buy every book I want Mm -hmm. and so so you didn't get to read it. I didn't get to read it which is frustrating and I know there's limits to what libraries can own but you know I literally only found like one though and I don't know if that's because it doesn't exist or just because the limitations of sort of search functions you know so Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't really understand because the data exists like we have categories and tags for things you just need a way to sort through that like yeah it's a function issue not a information issue Mm -hmm. so that's neither here nor there um and that's been Marcy's critique of the Goodreads list system. Yeah. And so then, like, also, I would, like, have to search, like, horror romance and then, like, wade through lists of that. And some of these people really, I don't know. I just feel like people don't know what things mean. Like, words have meanings, guys. <laughs> like, you you can't just you can't just put things on lists that don't have any <laughs> business being there. I just like lists. It's like, I just like making them. This is just a, like, I, yeah, anyway, that's whatever. It's fine. I'm going on too long about this. The other thing is that I realized that I um really like sort of this genre that I didn't know existed called Gaslamp. Have you heard? Explain that? more. Um, Say more right now. It's like, it's basically like gothic writing. It's set in like the Victorian and Edwardian era, but instead of there being like a sci-fi element, it's like more supernatural. So like Dracula is a really good example. Um, so it's it's like steampunk adjacent. Mm. Does that make sense? Not quite steampunk. Not quite steampunk. And a lot of times there's a romance element to it. Um, it's like if steampunk went supernatural. Interesting. So instead of there being like all the weird little ga- gadgets and stuff in steampunk, it's like there's like vampires and ghosts. And I did not I did not know about this. So I'm sorry if a lot of my books sort of have that influence. It turns out I just like that. So here we are. Um, I was also sad because every single book I read was about a white girl with a white love interest. So I tried not to, but I mean it's 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 pretty hard considering how heterosexual and white the genre is. Yeah, that's a genre find wide problem. Yeah. So Yeah. That's a that's a critique of the romance genre as a whole. So mm-hmm. I would also also like to say I think that romances are especially subjective because it's really about like what you like in a romance and that changes wildly from person to person. So that's true. If I don't like it, you might like it. You might like some of these that I say I don't. It's fine. Everything's subjective and nothing matters. So or everything's subjective and everything matters. Those are our two options. <laughs> With all that intro aside, are you ready for Garbage Pail? Spooktober edition. I'm so ready. Ooh. All right. So the first book I read for you is actually part of a series. And this series won my award for wildest concept. So. Nice. (laughs) This book is called Grave Mercy by Robin Lefevers. Lefevers? Lefefis? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. There's no way I'm pronouncing it. Lefefis. Um, it is the first of the His Fair Assassin trilogy. And this book is like none assassins 
meets Pride and Prejudice, but like set in 15th century, like British nobility. So you can't. Okay. So the first thing coming to mind is that none assassins meets Pride and Prejudice. Is none assassins already a thing that exists? No. Is that like a genre? No, it's not. Okay. No, like these are just. I say Pride and Prejudice because the love interest reminds me of Mr. Darcy. And that's in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. That's kind okay, of where good. it ends. He's just like a really nice guy who actually respects the autonomy of the woman he's pursuing. Um, good. Which is unique for the time period. But so this yes. book is about this like really sad, abused girl um, who is the daughter of the god of death in the mythology of this book. Like she's oh, great. like a demigod type thing or whatever or something. Anyway. So she's like abused her whole life because of it because no one likes death. Um, she's taken in by nuns who are all daughters of death. Um, and they train as assassins so that they can serve their father. Wait, they're all daughters of death? Yeah. How the comment is children? like a sanctuary for them. What? There's only like fifteen of them. There's not like a ton. Is that enough to even run a nun? place what are those called a nunnery that's not a thing right i just said convent (laughs) a convent yeah a covet a covet (laughs) wait no a a covenant no no you're thinking of coven which is witches yeah yeah that's what i tried to make which i think would also be appropriate so like they have like some special powers because they're daughters of death like they know like who's supposed to die next and stuff anyway so is that why they're assassins yeah because they can see who's supposed to be assassinated so they 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 okay yeah all right so it's all that nuns who train as assassins okay but then you just thrust that into a historical fiction retelling of a true event hmm yeah um and then you add in like a hot brooding man that the main character has to pretend that she's the mistress of due to circumstances so there's like excuses for them to like have to see each other in the night Fake dating, fake dating, fake dating. <laughs> it's basically a we have to pretend to be boyfriend girlfriend AU. Um, it's wild. It is a wild concept. My favorite part about this book is that the author thinks she's writing historical fiction. When I think, as soon as you introduce a supernatural nun element, you can no longer say you're writing historical fiction. So she only uses words that existed in the 15th century or something pretty rough um which is wild because if it was actually written like they wrote in the 15th century you would we would not be able to understand it no, um no you would not but so but she opts for like using the word mayhaps every 14 seconds instead of like maybe or perhaps i guess i don't know and then she also says like break my fast instead of breakfast and like stuff like that and it's so distracting and weird like as soon as you read that you're like girl you're trying too hard what's happening and then like in the author's note at the end she like apologizes for having to use a couple of confusing words because the real word that she wanted to use didn't exist then and she's like oh the perils of a historical fiction writer i was like ma'am you have supernatural non-assassins in this book i think when you introduce the idea of nuns being assassins you sort of don't you forfeit that yeah you yeah yeah i agree with that so Overall, this book won Wildest Concept. Right, rightfully so. Yes. At the end of the day, um, I rated it 2.0 in Decently Exposed Ankles because they talk about ankles a lot. She really focused on those indecently exposed ankles. 
Um, it's one of those out of five. Out of five, yes. Indecently exposed. It's one of those books where the main character is like very um, prudish, and so I mean, due to the time period, and so when she like has to show cleavage in order to use her feminine wiles to assassinate men, um, Ugh. they focus a lot on it, and you're kind of like, can you stop talking about your boobs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. If you feel, I mean, just be like one sentence, like, I felt kind of uncomfortable in the dress. And then don't mention it again, you know? So, whatever. There was no chemistry between the main characters. The pacing was bizarre. There was a three-year gap after, like, the second chapter. Oof. There is a plot, and it makes sense, but it's, like, really focused on the politics of what's happening, and I wanted it to be focused on the assassinations. So that was weird. And yet, I still liked it. Like, I still gave it a three out of five for guilt factor, basically. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't, there there was something there going was for something it that you were into. Going for it is that I still liked. Was it spooky? No. Did that disappoint me? Yes. Um, I mean, like, I would recommend this book if you are into like sort of a brooding love interest who's secretly a sweetheart. The whole nuns of death idea questioning religion there's a lot of that in this book um and are okay with the term mayhaps being used liberally it was wild it's just a wild ride and then i read the sequel which is crazy and the sequel was like a lot better um the sequel was called dark triumph it's his fair assassin number two um and this one that is a much better name than grave yeah i agree dark triumph is better his fair assassin is a really rough name for a series um yeah it's not great it's 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 bad um but this one actually got three daggers concealed within the folds of luminous dresses out of five daggers concealed within the folds of luminous dresses so so a better rating a much better rating because a three is good right like that is where mm-hmm. our ratings fall a three is pretty good um this one it's from a different point of view and i like this heroine a lot more than the last one she's just like not as whiny and annoying <laughs> is that sexist to say I mean, I don't is know. There is there sexism it? in that thought that the first one was whining annoying because I thought she was just obnoxious? Maybe. I haven't read it, so I wouldn't be able to really pick apart your reasoning. I also read it like over a month ago. So now all I'm left with is just impressions with no reasons. <laughs> mm, fair so. enough. You're like, I felt like this, but I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> anyway, I liked the second one better. Um, this one takes place in the same world. Like it picks up right where the last one left off. It's just this main character lives with like the rivals of the last book. It's like she lives. I'm sorry. There are there's a rival situation. Well, the nuns are protecting the local nobility from this bad guy. Basically, this like local duchess is like 13, and this like local lord wants to marry her, and he's like threatening go to to go to war if she won't marry him. So they're trying to protect her from being forced into this marriage with this man who's like a known wife killer um she lives with that guy so that's we're from a completely different perspective she is in sort of um enemy territory um she's not a non-assassin at all she is a non-assassin but she also lives in that household wait they get sent she is she is an assassin daughter of death they get sent on assignments and her assignment was to like infiltrate this household oh okay um, she has the most traumatic backstory I've ever read of in a book character. Oof. Like this book 
has like rape and incest trigger warnings all over the place not none Mm. of it happens during the book i wouldn't be able to stomach actually reading those scenes but it's just sort of slowly revealed that that has happened to Mm her um which actually i thought the slow reveal was really skillful like good job robin i feel disrespectful calling you by your first name but i can't pronounce your last name um because that was actually really kind of intriguing like as you read the book being like wait what happened to you oh my god what Mm. happened to you (laughs) and then it finally all comes out in this like big you like you get little bits of it and then it all comes out in this big moment and you're like oh no it's what i thought but it's so bad that it's what i thought um so this book is actually a lot better because it's less focused on politics and more about her like healing and like getting vengeance for what has happened to her um which i really enjoyed so like it's everything from the last one plus vengeance and the vengeance i think was a necessary element to this um Mm -hmm. she falls in love with a guy and he's actually like really great and he's like a good foil to her because they've both been through really really terrible things and her reaction has been to basically be super cynical um and sort of go on a dark path because of it versus he has managed to stay very positive and so like it's just sweet because you know like what what is what is the trope called of like a goth and like a not goth I know what you're thinking of, and I don't know what it. I don't know if it has a name. She's not goth because goth didn't exist in the 15th century. But that, yeah, that sort of concept of like that, like idea of a, of a grumpy one and a mm-hmm. less. I don't even say she's grumpy. It's just like she's very drawn to the fact that he's has like a lot of light within him, and that's really sweet to mm, me. Yes. And I was like, you deserve that, that after everything you've been through. So like, good for you. Yeah. Um. There is definitely a name for that, and I'll find it. Yeah. But. So for those reasons, I gave this one three instead of two, which I think is a big step up. Um, was it spooky? No, it was not spooky. Uh, there still was not enough assassination <laughs> for me for this book. There's actually like very little assassination throughout these books, and it bothers me because I, it was I sold it. Yeah, it like feels, it was sold to me. Feels counterintuitive. As a book about assassinations. Anyway, um, there's a third book. I tried to read it. I hated the main character, and so I didn't. <laughs> Because they're all from different point of views. So that's my pick for the wildest concept from what I found. All right. So moving on to my pick for the spookiest book I read, or Mm -hmm. I guess the scariest book. Definitely the most, like, the whole time I read this book, my heart rate was elevated because things just kept going wrong. Like, and the sort of atmosphere of this book is so eerie and creepy. Anyway, it is called The Madman's Daughter by Megan Shepard. Um, this is the first of a series also called The Madman's Daughter, I believe. And I gave this first book 3.5 passionate glances. And this book is... It's a pretty good rating. Yeah, it, is, it was. I really enjoyed this book, actually. Um, this book is Jekyll and Hyde meets Lord of the Flies, but with romance. Ooh. Like with a love triangle. So it's like this very gothic type tale about a girl who is the daughter of a mad scientist. He's gone missing. Like he ran off. Everyone kind of assumes he's dead because... She doesn't really know what he did, but he, like, pushed science too far in some way, you know? Like, crossed some ethical boundaries in terms of human and animal experimentation. And so he had to flee. Um, She finds out he's still alive when she accidentally reunites with her childhood crush, who was, like, the little boy that was a servant in her household. He's, like, an adult man now. Wait, he was a servant in her household? Yeah. So, like, they grew up together in the same house. Okay. But he was, like, a servant boy. Right. Like in Anastasia where he's like the kitchen boy? Yes, like that. 
Um, God, that's a good movie. Anyway. That movie's, anyway, except for now, he's living on a deserted island with her father. As and you so do. so he takes her back. Um, of course, we love him because he was the childhood crush. Yes. There's someone else on this island, though, a mysterious stranger, whomst will become the third part of the love triangle. Um, but we get to the island, and her father is apparently very much alive and very much doing the mad scientist thing. And people are dying, and no one will explain to her why it is. And there's some sort of wild beast roaming free on the island. And Uh-oh. she, <clears throat> her father may or may not be responsible for it. Um, he's insane. And there's just like, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this, but there's so much freaking tension in this book. Like, every second, you're like, something could jump out and eat you right now. And also, your dad might be plotting to kill you. We don't really know. And also, you can't trust anyone. And also, you're falling in love with two people. And we have a lot of feelings about which one we want you to pick. And everything's mysterious. There's a lot of lies everywhere. Like, this... It takes a little bit to get going. I'll say that. There's a little bit at the beginning where she's still, like, in London before she arrives at the island. We're kind of like, all right, let's move on. Let's get past this. (laughs) Um, But once you get on the island, it's, like just so creepy and there's so much tension both from like the plot and the fact that things are happening and also romantic tension and i really enjoyed this book chef's kiss enjoyed it yes i give it the chef's kiss um i would recommend this if you want a book that's like actually creepy but is also familiar in that like it's romance elements you know and like it's based off of jekyll and hyde but it's also really original. Like, it takes a Jekyll and Hyde concept and makes it something new. It doesn't just retell it, which I really mm-hmm. like. Also, if you like love triangles, this is a prime example of one. Um, one island, two men, one lady, mad scientist, beasts and monsters. Great. Love it. It was actually spooky. I just really enjoyed this book. And then I enjoyed the sequel even more, which was Ooh. Her Dark Curiosity, also by Megan Shepard. Um, this one got 3.75 discrete liaisons that were definitely a bad emotional coping mechanism. Ooh. Um, so this one is still Jekyll and Hyde, but then you add in a dash of Illuminati and Jack the Ripper. What? <laughs> so the last one took place on an island. This one takes place back in London. So she's back in England. We're reunited with both love interests. There's a serial killer on the loose who may or may not be one of the love interests. What? And our heroine is the only one who can stop the murders. Oh, my God. Also, her father's ghost still not like hey. literal ghost, but like his influence. Okay, I was going to be like, spoilers. No. <laughs> um, is still sort of uh, running things, and it is a lot bigger than she thought it was. Oof. She not only has to stop the murders, but she has to uncover this mystery of, like, the conspiracy theory that's going on behind the scenes. So. Does it go all the way to the top? It does go all the way to the top. Yes. It's the top of the wealthy people, because they love everything. <clears throat> the wealthy yeah. people. So... If you like the first one, you like this one. There's still gore and horror, and it's still thrilling. Um, but this one is also more Victorian England, and also like a little bit more romance. Um, also, the last book, I did have the complaint that she was a little bit too like swoony, like very like, oh, my feminine sensibilities and whatever, and I can't take it, and I'm just gonna faint, and I just <laughs> hate that. She kind of gives that up. She goes through a lot in the last book, and it toughens her up. And so in this one, she's not like that, and I really like it. She's a lot more like independent. Nice. Which I enjoy. 
Um, the romance is better in this one. It's still a love triangle, except for this time, you like really don't know who you want her to end up with. Like every time she's with one, you're like, yes, this is the guy. And then she goes to the next one, you're like, wait, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually sex in this one. It's not explicit because like I said, not erotica, but something actually happens in this one at least. Ooh. Um, so yeah, I gave this one 3.75. And then the next one, the final installment in the series, I only gave 3.25, which is still a great like still rating. a good rating yeah. yeah it just peaked in the middle i think that's fair that's how the shrek movies were oh my god <laughs> am i wrong no but <laughs> yeah shrek 2 is a masterpiece anyway so the third book is a cold legacy 3.25 lies you tell your betrothed to protect the other member of the love triangle um this one i think i give a lower rating because all of a sudden we're frankenstein mm. And we've been Jekyll and Hyde, and now we're Frankenstein. And so it's just like Frankenstein meets romance, I guess. And it just felt like there was less of a reason for things to happen. It was kind of more just like bad stuff kept happening. There wasn't like a goal. Does that make sense? Like the last Mm -hmm. two books, there had been a goal. It was like, solve the mystery, don't die. And then this one, it's kind of just like, don't die. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Which is, I mean, that's a real goal that people have um but not as not as compelling for a book plot however at this point you care so much about the characters it doesn't matter fair enough um so it's all your faves except for this time they're in the scottish moors there's bogs everywhere the love triangle has been resolved except now it's frankenstein also there's like a lot of death of people we care about oh no um so that's a lot which i feel like i wanted out of this sort of genre um but it's sad no tell me marcy are there some bogs is there bog action? Yeah, she almost dies in a bog once. <gasps> just getting sucked in, you know? Because, like, if you stand in it, you'll just, like, just it'll just take you and then it'll mummify you. Bog mummy. Bog mummy. Mummy's in the bogs. Bog mummy. Mummy's in the bogs. Bean has, my friend Bean has a shirt that says, um, I think it says aspiring bog mummy. That's so good. And I, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Also, I don't know if moors and bogs are the same thing, but to me, as someone who doesn't live and will probably never live near one, they are the same. It's just like really wet land that will suck you up into its arms. <laughs> it's all wet land that will suck you up into its arms to me. Exactly. Yes. All of it. So that's a cold legacy. I gave it 3.25 out of 5. I really enjoyed this whole series. It was definitely the most scary, which I think is interesting because this one wasn't supernatural. It was a little bit more um, sci-fi-ish just sci-fi in the way that like frankenstein is sci-fi yeah um like old (laughs) Mm sci-fi um but it was just so like it was creepy in that you couldn't trust anyone and there was like these like really scary monsters and stuff and because it's sci-fi for some reason there's like there's a lot of like morals being crossed you know and i don't it was just good it was a good freaking series i really enjoyed it i want to read more by megan shepherd i don't know if she has anything else i but i'd like to look into it so well i'm glad i'm glad you liked it um the next book i read was silence for the dead by simone st james simone st james is kind of a prolific writer in this sort of genre she has a lot of books that are all kind of the same um not the same but like the same concept which is like supernatural romance set in the early 20th century so this one is a ghost story in an insane asylum in post-World War I England. Okay. Um, and I rated it three small but insignificant touches that feel like fire and give you chills. But you don't want to feel this way about him, so you just ignore it. <laughs> Out of five. Out of five. <laughs> Out of five. Um, basically, the protagonist pretends to be a nurse in a haunted insane asylum um, 
full of shell-shocked World War I veterans and then falls in love with an extra mysterious patient while they also have to solve the mystery of the ghosts in the insane asylum. I really liked the romance in this book as far as like there actually being chemistry between the characters, but there just wasn't enough of it. So I felt kind of cheated in that factor. You were like, give me more. I think hurt the rating. Um, But I would recommend this to you, Silence for the Dead. Great name, by the way. Love that. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. Really on brand. Um, I would recommend this to you if you like World War One era British historical fiction. And if you also like a little bit of a ghost story, that's not too spooky, but it's like a little bit spooky. Shut up, sir. I did hear that one. He's just walking around crying. Zeus. baby. Zeus, you've been fed. I've given you attention. What do you want? More attention. He wants to hear himself. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. What would you say is the, um, the, the sort of treatment of these, of these patients and the ghosts in this, uh, this book? The patients are treated pretty well. I mean, it's not like, like the scariness doesn't come from the patients other than that they like scream in the nighttime or whatever. And like, kind of act possessed sometimes um Uh-oh. but the patients you really just feel bad for like it really is like the main character because this is happening post-world war one before people really knew about how much anything the war was going to affect those soldiers psychologically so the the main character is like realizing like oh my god these men like really went through something like this is yeah. really sad and terrible um and so the patients aren't so much the creepy part as the ghosts. So mm. are the ghosts of patients? No. So the asylum is in an old mansion. Oh. So like a Ooh. mansion that got repurposed as a hospital. Okay. So the ghosts are not the patients. They're no, they are the old separate. They are from the mansion. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. So um I liked it. It was good. It was actually spooky, which I appreciated. It didn't win a superlative. Like, it was just kind of middle of the road. But I would read more by Simone St. James because it was really well written and, like, I enjoyed it. So, if I was ever in the mood for something like this, I didn't want to have to do, like, a dig. I think I would just go for something written by her because I feel like I could trust that it would be good and sort of hit the points I wanted to hit. So, Mm -hmm. Um, this next book (laughs) is definitely the sauciest pick. Um, It wins that award. It is First Grave on the Right, which that name. First grave Pretty on rough. the right. Pretty rough. By Dorinda Jones. It's one of those like serial series, you know what I mean? Where it's like there's like thirty books. Is this the one with the world's ugliest cover? This is the one with the world's ugliest cover. So the cover of this book is like from the perspective of you looking down at your own lap of like a lady wearing white pants and like her like legs are crossed and she has like black nail polish and she's wearing a skull ring and then her flip flops are skulls. Ugh. it's so bad it's not good it's genuinely the font is not good either the font is bad the cover like it's all bad graphic design is my passion <laughs> however i gave this book 3.25 instances of a protagonist referring to her own boobs by their god-given christian name out of five Ooh. so so not a bad book this book you have to like it's not a bad book if you know what you're getting into because this book does not take itself too seriously and i appreciated that it wasn't trying nice. to be anything that it wasn't and because of that i was able to give it a good rating because it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't like it was failing at what it wanted to do it was doing what it wanted to do and it was very self-aware mm-hmm. which i appreciated so in this book the grim reaper is like a hot lady who's also a private investigator <laughs> all right what <laughs> happening so this is like a surprisingly well executed murder mystery paranormal romance about the grim reaper being a badass hot lady P.I. who falls in love with a mysterious, like, apparition man. 
solid. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to need you to stop crying. Or... <laughs> Just Marcy in the distance yelling at her cat. It's mean, but it gets him to shut up. What did you say? I gave him a spritz spray bottle. <gasps> Marcy. I, it didn't even land on him. I just held it up and squirted it near him. You traumatized the baby. It's fine. He still loves me. I give him snacks. Um. Anyway, so this concept is just like a lot. And it had so much potential to be so bad. But it was like really funny. <laughs> like, not like it was funny because it was bad. But like the author made it funny. And it was good. And like if you want a 30-something series, sure, go for it. Um, it had, I will say like, it's definitely more of an explicit book. I wouldn't, I mean, I guess maybe it's technically erotica because it has like one scene. Um, but it's not like the whole book is, you know, it's definitely for adults. Yes. Like it's definitely 18 and up, but it's not like just porn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, this book is just really funny and it's really light. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not really scary at all, but it's just like fun. Um, and so like, if you're into that, just go for it. You know, like, was it spooky? Mm-hmm. No. Was it a good time? Yeah. Yes. So that's First Very Grave on the Right by Dorinda Jones. The next one um, is, hold on. Let me think. All right. This one is called Anna Dressed in Blood, which the name um, by Kendare Blake. It is the first of a duology just called like Anna, I think is just the series name. Um, and this one is a teenage ghost hunter falls in love with a ghost. Simple as that. Straightforward love um i gave it 3.2 full-grown men being ripped to shreds before your young and impressionable eyes out of five. Oh my god so this ghost is like super violent this book definitely has a lot of gore i'll say that um probably the goriest actually of all of the books on here um a lot oh, of them wow. have gore but this one i think has especially the gore is really unexpected uh, there's like a couple of moments where like oh my god <laughs> like you're like we were having a good time and now someone's literally ripped in half what Oof. um so Ghost Hunter Kid is set on seeking vengeance for his father, who is also a ghost hunter, um, and in the process is searching for this ghost named Anna. He makes a band of unlikely friends, and they hunt her down, and then he falls in love with her. So it's a good time. Um, this book is like a little gory, a little spooky, a little romantic, a little mysterious. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's the only book on this list that has a male protagonist, but he doesn't suck, I think, because he's written by a woman. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and the plot keeps you on your toes. There's a sequel, which I don't feel compelled to read. I just felt like the first book ended in a place where I'm happy with it, and I didn't really feel like I needed to pick up a sequel, um, even though I actually really liked it. Maybe I will someday when I'm, like, bored, but, you know, I didn't have that much But you time. felt content with the ending. Yeah, I felt content with the ending. I would definitely read other things by Kinder Blake. I thought her writing was really good. Um, and she's written some stuff you've heard of, right? Yes. Uh, three Dark Crowns, I think. Yeah, which I think I've also had recommended to me at one point. So, like, I definitely haven't read it yet. We'll pick up that stuff by her because I know I like her writing now. And it was actually spooky. Like, this is a book that (laughs) I was, we were at our parents' house last week, as you know, or the week before last. I don't even know anymore. And I didn't want to read this book before I went to bed because I had to stay in a bedroom downstairs separate from everyone else. And the room kind of creeps me out. And I was like, I can't have this spooky stuff happening in my brain before I go down there by myself. So, so like actually spooky. Yeah. So Anna Dressed in Blood was a pretty good read, actually. Um, I feel like 3.2 is almost not quite enough for it, but that's sort of once I broke it down by categories what it ended up as. So it was really good, though. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it, the whole is a little bit more than the sum of its parts. You know? Yeah. So um, moving on, we're almost done to my pick for the best, like my favorite from this whole 
experiment. Um, and that was Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea by April Genevieve Tchulke. Tchulke? 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 That seems closer to correct. Um, this is Between Number One. It's a duology. And I, this is another book that I think is more than the sum of its parts. So based on like the ratings being broken down, it got a 3.5. But I think if I was just rating this as one score, I would give it a four. Um, so it got 3.5 to four estranged brothers with the same sly, irresistible smile out of five. Um, this is like a Southern Gothic sort of tale um, that has devils and magic powers and teens left to their own devices. Um, what I really, really like about this series is it is set sort of in, like, it doesn't have a time period. It's very kind of lemony snicket in that way. Like, you don't know what decade it is. They don't really use modern technology, but they also don't live, obviously, in, like, the 1800s, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that, like, makes it feel extra sort of, like, magical because they can't just, like, do things with their cell phones. But also they don't, like, women have rights and stuff, which is nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Always nice. Um and it's two books, right? Um, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea and Between the Spark and the Burn. Um, and I'm just going to talk about them together because they, I feel like, were kind of equal. Um, the first one takes place at this, like, big, like, the main characters are a pair of twin siblings. Um, and they live in this, like, big mansion that their family has owned for generations. But their family has now run out of money. So it's, like, this beautiful estate that was once beautiful but is now sort of run down, that kind of thing. Um, and basically this mysterious guy just shows up on her doorstep one day and is like, Hey, can I rent the guest house? And she's like, yeah, we need the money. And then everything starts going wrong. Um, let me like read the synopsis for this. Cause I have a really hard time explaining this book. I don't do a good job with it. You stop fearing the devil when you're holding his hand. Da, 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 da. Nothing much exciting rolls through violet white, sleepy seaside town until river West comes along. River rents the guest house behind Violet's crumbling estate, and as eerie, grim things start to happen, Violet begins to wonder about the boy living in her backyard. Is River just a crooked, smiling liar with pretty eyes and mysterious past, or could he be something more? Violet's grandmother always warned her about the devil, but she never said he could be a dark-haired boy who takes naps in the sun, who likes coffee, who kisses you in a cemetery, who makes you want to kiss back. Violet's already so knee-deep in love she can't see straight, and that's just how River likes it. And then the sequel is also just as good, except for this time they're on a road trip, so that's really fun. <laughs> And the sequel also introduces a love triangle. So if you want a more, because the first, the first book, the romance is just really effed up. And the whole time you're like, girl, girl, get out of this girl. And in the second one, you get a love interest where you're like, hey, he's really sweet. Wait a second. You like him a lot. What are you doing with that old one? What's going on? Um, So it's like, and it's also a little bit more of a slow burn, which is nice. Um, So I would recommend these two books, the Between series. Um, If you like supernatural elements gothic like american gothic setting uncertain time period love triangle featuring bad boy v good boy lots of estranged brothers um fun background characters that have growth a little bit of horror just for fun um and don't mind that the main character says the word damn every 17 seconds and it was spooky sometimes so that's good all right in contrast so that was my win for the my win what so if that was my that was was my my win um that was my pick for the best book i read this next one is the worst book it was strands of bronze and gold by jane nickerson and i rated it 1.5 extremely detailed descriptions of fine gowns and or food that are used as a main device to put the story in a specific time period out of five this is an antebellum retelling of the fairy tale bluebeard but without any interesting twist Uh uh-oh do you know of the story of bluebeard me 
yes, but only because we've already recorded this episode. <laughs> Would you like me to tell the story of Bluebeard real yes, quick? Yes, just real fairy quick. Fairy tale. It's like a Grimm's fairy tale about a man whose wives have all disappeared mysteriously, and he takes a new wife, and she's like, I wonder where all the old wives have gone. And he's like, here's some keys. You can explore the whole mansion except for this one room, and if you trust me, love me, you won't go in that one room. And then she can't take the curiosity, so she goes in the one room, and he there it's full of the dead bodies of his wives, and then she turns around, and he's there, and he murders her. Oh, so, great. That's exactly what this book is. That's exactly what this book is. A girl in the 1850s moves in with her very wealthy and mysterious godfather. He's like 40 and she's 17. Her, I'm also. sorry, her godfather? Um, yeah, her godfather. Her father dies and so she has nowhere to go. So she moves in with her godfather because that's what happens, right? If you're a godparent okay. and something happens to the parents, okay, right? That's how it works. Yeah. So she moves in with her godfather when her father dies, which makes sense. She's expecting it to just be a very like fatherly relationship because he's always like spoiled her with gifts and stuff. Like she's not going into it expecting anything. Turns out he's an abusive slave holding narcissistic sociopath who has murdered Great. his past four wives. Um, he's like really manipulative and somehow gets her to I wouldn't say fall in love with, but like be obsessed Uh-oh. with him. You know, like he really manipulates her attention, um, so that she's very like focused. And, you know, he coerced, like he, she owes him a lot and he takes advantage of that. So he co- coerces and abuses her into agreeing to marry him against her will. Um, at the same time, she falls in love with someone else who's like an actually good guy, but that's like a whole other thing, whatever. Anyway, there's like a whole lot of nothing in this book because it's exactly like the fairy tale. And so, you know, from the get go, exactly what has happened to all of his wives Ugh. and the main character doesn't. Yeah. And it's not like a fun, she doesn't know. It's like a, oh my God, figure it out already thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a few ghosts, except for they're not scary. So why even put ghosts in it? And there's exactly one exciting oh. chapter at the very end. Yeah. So I gave it a 1.5. Um, not a good rating. Just the lowest rating I've ever given anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically said, quote, the protagonist was such a genteel fainting lady and it was obnoxious. Like, God, ma'am, I do not want your exceedingly traditional feminine sensibilities. They are so boring. Please stop talking about how improper autonomy for women is. Also, please stop being mostly complacent with slavery Fair even enough. if you feel bad about it. And at the end, the author like kind of tries to save it by making her actually like free slaves, but it's like I don't really I'm just like, not I I feel like you and I are both just not interested in and I would argue most people are not interested in narratives where it's like well they were complacent in slavery but like it's fine because like they felt bad about it yeah i just am also not interested like i just am not interested in stories about the antebellum south from a white girl's yeah. point of view unless she's staunchly abolitionist not just like yeah. not okay with slavery but like actively, actively fighting an abolitionist yeah. yeah and she's not like she's not pro-slavery but she's not doing anything either yeah. you know um which just kind of distracted me the whole book. Yeah, because I was about to say, it, it sounds like it could have been, like, happened, I don't know, in another time any period. Any other time? Yeah. The time period did not matter at all. It just needed to be any time in which a woman was not able to make her own decisions. Which yeah. could literally be yeah, any time. But yeah, if, if, if it's weird to me that it was the antebellum South specifically, when that yeah. doesn't sound like it super no, mattered. No, really important. No, it didn't really matter. Um, so, like, you can read it if you really want to read about historical fiction in the Antebellum South. It wasn't creepy as much as frustrating just because the whole time you're like, girl, she's taking advantage of you. Or, girl, he's manipulating you. Girl, stop. Girl, can't you see? Can't you see? Which is sort of like how real abusive relationships are. Like, if you have someone you love in an abusive relationship, you can see it happening and it's very frustrating. Um, but it's just, like, hard to watch. And Not a great read. I just, I don't get it. It just wasn't for me. I give it 1.5. I don't, it wasn't spooky. 
it wasn't spooky at all. The creepiest part of it was the fact that like shit like that happened all the time where young women yeah. were married to very old, terrible men. But Zeus is now playing with a toy that has a bell on it. Can't you do quiet activities right now, sir? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> until we were Funny recording, joke. you were sleeping. And then the second we try and record, you're like, I know what I'll do. I'll grab the only toy I have that makes noise and wiggle it around. Correct. All right. Well, that's it for my segment. So that's uh, going to do it for Yay. us, folks, for Garbage Pail. Quick little summary here. If you want something spooky, I suggest The Madman's Daughter by Megan Shepard. My favorite read was Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in between. Please go to our website, bookandsiblings.com, if you are interested in any of the books I mentioned and didn't want to have to like look things up while you're listening and write things down because I've read so many freaking books. Um, those will all be listed there as well as like, a full review on them even more than i gave them the episode actually so and we're back and we're back you probably couldn't tell but actually you might be able to tell because we probably both sound more awake yes <laughs> but we're recording this in the afternoon on the same day we had to take a break so Greg could go to class i sure did have class i am in college i went and i talked about oppression for three hours so that's on the break. Yeah. So now I'm here. All right. Um, and now that we have completed our garbage pail for the week, it is time for us to move into the actual book review. So, group, what book did we read this week for our cults theme? We read The Polygamist's Daughter, a memoir by Anna LeBaron, which is a, a memoir new for us. Yeah. So that's kind of a new thing for us. We've never read a memoir before on this. We actually just haven't read any nonfiction. Yes. So if you're wondering what The Polygamous Daughter is about, guess what? I'm about to tell you. Are you ready? Let's go. My father has 13 wives and more than 50 children. This is the haunting memoir of Anna LeBaron, daughter of the notorious polygamist and murderer, Ervil LeBaron. Ervil's criminal activity kept Anna and her siblings constantly on the run from the FBI. Often starving, the children lived in a perpetual state of fear, and despite their numbers, Anna always felt alone. Would she ever find a place she truly belonged? Would she ever be anything other than a polygamous daughter? But with murder, fear, and betrayal, the polygamous daughter is the harrowing, heart-wrenching story of a fatherless girl and her unwavering search for love, faith, and a place to call home. So, this memoir covers Anna's like whole life basically from her earliest memories up to basically mm -hmm. present day yeah um and I thought I would give like a little bit of background about her dad Herbal LeBaron in case you haven't heard of his because cult. I certainly had not um I did not know anything had, going into this book yeah and basically all I knew up until I did research for this episode was what she said in the book um, so this is sort of a compilation of the highlights from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, um, a couple of New York Times articles, um, as well as I think like an L.A. Times article. So um, Ervil Averin grew up in a polygamous sect of the Mormon Church in Mexico. Apparently, a lot of polygamists moved to Mexico. Which I did not know. This was news to me. Yeah. I guess it makes sense because Utah and like the whole Southwest region is right there. And so they just escaped to Mexico. I don't get it. It's really strange to me. Um, anyway, so he grew up in Mexico with his like polygamous family. Him and his brother Joel started a church in the 1950s. 
basically there ended up being a power struggle and the church split into two sects. And this is where Herbal starts to go insane. Um, he decides that he was directed by God to murder his brother. Yep. Because his brother was a rival religious leader. And so the thing about Herbal, though, is that he never does the murders himself. He just gets really devout followers to do it for him. Mm-hmm. So he first murdered his brother in 1972. Two of his followers like beat and then shot Joel. And then over the next two decades, Ervil would murder approximately 30 people, and the exact number is unknown. It's literally horrifying. Yeah. So he founded the Liberian Church of the Lamb of God. Um, I think at its like peak, it had like around 150 members or something around there. Um, a couple dozen families involved. He had 13 wives and more than 50 kids with those 13 lives. Lives? What? Wives? Lives. Um, and he mostly killed either religious, religious, he either rival religious, I combined rival and religious to religious, um, rival religious leaders. So other polygamists, I didn't realize there were enough for there to be like competitions, um, (laughs) or he would also murder those who left the cult. So that's where he starts to murder like his own family members Mm -hmm. because they leave it because it's like, I mean, it's a cult, like it's really controlling and secretive and oh my gosh, it's a lot. <laughs> Overall, pretty um, horrifying. Yeah. At the end of the day, pretty horrifying. So he dies in 1992 while in prison. Finally, he was caught. By no, it's not. It's not 92. Remember? Oh, it's not 92. What it's is like it? 81. Right. Shoot. Because you, because you used to kept saying 92 and I was like, that's not right. Yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah, it was 81. I wrote it down wrong in my notes, and then that number stuck. He died in prison in 81. Um, the book says he died of a heart attack. More recent articles say he died of either a heart attack or, like, a stroke. But his initial, like, the initial news report said he killed himself. So, so we don't really know what's up with that. I don't know. I don't know if that was just kind of, like, hearsay, and someone just wrote it down as news. Mm, yeah. Um, but... That's how misinformation gets spread. Some misinformation for you. Regardless, he's dead. So, but his followers continued to carry out his hits after he died. Yeah, because so he I made think, a he made a hit list right before, mm-hmm. like while he was in prison. Like while in prison, and so I think four or five people actually were continuing to be killed by him post mortem, mm-hmm. which is insane. So, this is Anna's story. Um, she was basically picked up and shipped around to different families like within the cult her entire childhood. And this book is just so much about her trying to find a place where she belongs in this family that like doesn't value her. And like, uh, it's told in chronological order too, which I appreciate mm-hmm. um, because you sort of learn things as Anna would learn things. Um, it's very narrative. Mm-hmm. It is very narrative. It's not like a dry read. Yeah. It's definitely told in a story format um, in a way that is really easy to follow, which I do like. Um, do we want to get into the um, actual review? Enjoyability. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that does lead right into enjoyability. I rated this book a three for enjoyability. I thought I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's hard 
we probably do need to make a new rating system for um, nonfiction. nonfiction. Yeah, in the future, we should definitely develop one. Um, we did not for this episode because we didn't think about it until when we recorded this the first time and then the audio got all messed up. Um, so we're just using our, our fiction rating, which is not exactly right. But um, So in, in this instance, enjoyability is more like interest than... Yeah, it's more like how much were you curious about it? Yeah, because it's because it's not kind of necessarily enjoyable to read about this person's horrifying trauma. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not enjoying it, yeah, but that's I kind but of it, the wrong word. But it is good. It is well written and it's interesting. And it is interesting. Yes. So, so we'll change that later. But for now the enjoyability for the sake of having the rating I put as a three mm-hmm. um with a three being that it's good like three is like I feel like on interest three is like I'm interested yeah you know it's mm-hmm. not like boring it doesn't I'm not like oh my god this is amazing it's just two is like snooze one is like garbage three is like yeah okay four is like yeah, yeah. okay and five <laughs> is like yeah and the reason I gave it, it a three, phone. I think, is because because it's a memoir and therefore she has no control over what happened when because it's just what actually happened to her. Mm-hmm. There were portions of the book I was more interested than others. And that's not obviously her fault because this <laughs> is what happened. <laughs> but I think because there were some areas I was a little bit more interested and some areas I was a little less interested, it kind of evened out to a three. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave mine a four. I feel like I was pretty solidly like I want to keep reading the whole book um so that's why I gave it a four yeah yeah not um, quite I a will five, say but... there's a lot of religion in this book which mm-hmm. makes sense because she grew up in a fundamentalist Mormon cult um <laughs> so at the beginning there's a lot of religion in terms of the environment she's growing up in and then at the end there's a lot of religion because her faith she ends up um, basically falling into a more traditional Christian faith. Um, not like traditional as in is fundamentalist, a, but traditional as in canon. Yeah. Is there like a word for... Because she ends up like... She just ends up in some Protestant. Okay. Yeah. They don't. I don't think she says what... What specifically? Like denomination. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But she ends up with some sort of just like modern American Protestant mm-hmm. church. Um. And that ends up kind of being the thing that helps her heal the most at the end of the day. It's like the community and the sense of purpose that she gets in that. So if you would be bored by hearing about that, you might enjoy it less. Yeah. Yeah, that might get to be not your cup of tea um, at the yeah. end. Which I'm definitely fine with, and I know you're okay with. But, mm-hmm. if but some you... people might not be, yeah. Yeah, some people might find that not necessarily offensive, but just not... Not what they want to read. Yeah, although I would argue that this is... I mean, it's her story, so like... (laughs) Yeah, this is not her fault in any case. This this would just be (laughs) a purely person-by-person, like, people have different tastes situation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, So yeah, for enjoyability, I gave it a three. Um, What did you give it for balance? Um, I gave it a four. Um... I don't, this felt harder to rate because since it's, you know, her life, it's not like she can control how often things happen to her and like what kinds, you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. This is not a scenario where I could be like, well, there was too much of this one thing in this one area. Um, but I also felt like because of that um, narrative and the, and the, the chronological um, aspect, mm-hmm. I felt like that made it feel a little bit more, I don't even know, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. I feel like that helped the balance. Yeah. The reason I also gave it a four, A, I struggled with balance for nonfiction. We just need to change this rating system. We really do. But I gave it a four kind of because of I liked how she slowly sort of revealed who her family and father really was. Mm, like Yes. We start at the beginning that her earliest memories in the book are like from when she's like six years old and she'll just drop in these little hints of like, I wouldn't find out until later that this person was a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you go on and you kind of forget that. And then she brings that back later and be like, it was so hard for me to believe that the person who had, you know, this person who had shown me kindness and like had been sweet and lovely to me had gone to jail for murdering people on my father's wishes. And like, which was honestly good... one of the craziest things I think in the book to me mm-hmm. was her talking about, um, like, I think it was specifically like Ramona. Yeah. She mentioned who she only had fond memories of and like specifically yeah, and memories Ramona of like, was like, she was one of the first women to ever show Anna like kindness and compassion. Basically. Yeah. And like, like outside ha- of her own mother. Having to reconcile that with the fact that she literally committed murder, you know, like that was one of the yeah. craziest things to me. Yeah. And so I think she did a really good job with sort of keeping those themes consistent and then building at the end as she got older. Um, and so that's why I gave it a four for balance, kind of keeping that in mind, because otherwise I have no idea how to rate. <laughs> yeah, that's balance. fair. You you said the things I was trying to say, but couldn't okay. find. So which is good. Ironic considering I'm the writer, but it's whatever. Yeah, that's fair. All right. What did you give it for expectations? Um, I gave it a three because I was expecting a memoir about a person surviving the cult and getting out of it um, from a person who was not primarily a writer necessarily. And that's what I got. You know what I mean? Like, I felt (laughs) like I got what I signed up for, but Mm, it didn't necessarily. I I still really liked it, but I was expecting it to be really good. So, yeah, I agree. The the bar was high and therefore it had it like it just met that high bar it's not like it was like way over i also gave it a three i thought it just hit expectations right on the nail nail on the head i know i was kind of surprised by how little of her father's actually in the story um Mm -hmm. which i think like i mean once again it's her life she can't control what had happened to her um and that was the only part where i was like kind of surprised by but that's not something i would dock points for yeah because it's a memoir yeah <laughs> um so i will say if you want a book about ervil this is not yeah that book this is about this book is about like surviving trauma mm-hmm. and like how we all just want to be loved and noticed and appreciated mm-hmm. it's not about her dad necessarily and if it is about her dad it's about her learning to forgive and grow and be okay after what had happened to her because of him Writing style, writing style. Okay, um, I gave writing style a four. I did too. I thought it was really well written, like especially considering she's not a writer. And I'm sure there's like another name listed um, 
and I'm sure that's the person who helped her write it. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really well written. They did a great job with it. Mm-hmm. Especially because like um, you find, uh, not even you find out, but like she just isn't, that's not her job. Like she's yeah. not a writer primarily. Um, but yeah, I gave it a four. I thought it was very intriguing. I thought the prose was well written. Um, I thought the dialogue she mentions at the beginning of the book, like um, not all the dialogue is like verbatim, obviously, because memory. But um, I tried to keep it like in the spirit of what happened. Um, And I felt like she did a good job of like making them sound like it's what they would have said, even if she couldn't remember. Yeah, I thought she did a really good job of reconstructing. Mm -hmm, Because I think about like a memory from when I'm six years old. And to be fair, I didn't have any trauma at that age. So I shouldn't have ultra strong memories from that Mm -hmm. age do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but even like my strongest memories from childhood are like four seconds long yeah it's not like a full scene or like people saying things to you necessarily yeah so she was really she did a really good job with reconstructing that and i'm sure that took a lot of like reaching out to her siblings and like Mm -hmm. trying to find other people's perspectives to figure out what happens like i really think they probably put a lot of effort especially in the first part of the book to make things make sense and i mm-hmm. thought it paid off mm-hmm. so. and i also think um i don't have a specific example and i should have gotten one but like the moments that were really that hit you hard mm-hmm. i felt like it's it's hard sometimes when you're writing about your own experiences to make the things that were really horrifying as horrifying on paper as they were in real life because like when you're reconstructing an event, there's always going to be some stuff lost. Um, and I feel like she did a good job with those really emotional moments, um, especially like at the end, there's a moment um, where she's with her best friend's mom at oh, her dad's this, grave. I cried. I'm, I haven't I was yet. Doing chores. <laughs> I was doing chores around the house, listening to this as an audiobook, and I was just like cleaning the toilet and crying. <laughs> <laughs> cleaning the toilet and crying. Yeah, pretty much. But because it's this moment where they're like her dad's been dead for years now. She's like a grown adult at this point, and she's with her best friend's mom. And the mom, yeah, she just was like, like taking her best friend's mom to a doctor's appointment or something, yeah. doing her a favor. And they pat, they happen to pass the grave, like the graveyard on the way back. And her best friend's mom is like, "Let's stop." Mm-hmm. And and the stuff. Oh my god, the best friend's mom. I don't remember her name. I should know, but is but she's basically like, she stands up to Erbil. And, like, he's gone, but she stands there, like, at his grave and is, like, look what you've done to your daughter. Like, what do you have to say for yourself? And, like, Anna says, like, no one had ever stood up to him like that for her. Yeah, no and... one had ever stood up to anyone for her before. Yeah, yeah. Not even just, just, like, no one had stood up for her. And, like, to have her do that even after he was, like, dead and, you know, like, she's grown up. And it was just so, it was just so, like it was really well written and it was also just such a sweet moment of like you deserved to have someone to stand up for you and you got that moment of healing from that i don't know it was so good oh my god (laughs) just like how she wove in the theme of so she was shipped around like i said from family to family like they moved constantly and because mm-hmm. there's so many sister wives and like siblings and aunts and whatever she and also lived like with running from running from the cops the fbi everyone like, yeah not just the cops the fbi the literal like, fbi like they were trained how to react to fbi raids from trial like they were 
they knew that was a thing um the like theme of the different mothers in her life like because there's her actual mom but her actual mom went off to do herbal's bidding quite a lot she didn't actually kill Mm -hmm. anyone but like she went off i don't really understand what she did um so a lot of times anna lived with someone else in the family Mm -hmm. or in the cult or sometimes just like strangers who were like new to the cult um Mm -hmm. like she was like moved to mexico as a child and she didn't speak any spanish and she was just like hi i'm here now she was like i'm Um, seven years old yeah yeah and the like juxtaposition of the different homes she was in and how in each home, I mean, she's just a kid and she wants what all kids want, which is to be loved and cared for. And how many times she didn't get that. And then when she finally does, it is just, it's so moving and it's so just like, that's what we all want. Like every person who's ever lived just wants to feel like they want to feel loved. They want to feel useful. They want to feel important you know mm-hmm. and, and there's also this like what are you gonna ahead. say no you, no, you do it no you do. no you go ahead. no you <laughs> oh my god i was gonna say and there's also this thing of like she spent her whole childhood feeling that she had to earn love and so at the end when she finds like normal christianity and like one of the most basic tenets of it is that your like salvation and love is unearned and is unconditional and, like, you can just, like, feel as you're reading it, like, this weight lifts off her shoulders as she realizes she doesn't have to work yeah, for something or someone to love her. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, like, there's just so many, like, heartbreaking moments when, so, like, she goes to live with her sister when she's 13. Um, like, is it her half-sister or her full it's sister? It's her half-sister, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, and, statistically, it's probably her half-sister. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and, like, there are so many moments, like, the sister and her husband because they're like grown adults um treat her like she's their kid and like love her yeah and this sister and husband had left the cult yes and there are so many moments where anna is like i can't do or say this thing because they won't love me if i do this or if i mess up or like they'll make me go away and it's just like so it's so moving when there are like as she is becoming becoming beginning to realize that lillian does not want her to earn her love you know what i mean mm-hmm. when she realizes lillian's like no you literally don't have to do anything i just love you because you're my yeah. sister yeah like you don't have to fight for me to care about you and you don't have to fight for me to give you basic necessities and things like that and it's just like or like when she's like no we're gonna pay for you to go on that field trip instead of making her pay for it herself because she's like 13 at the time like yeah and she's like i'll get the money i'll get the money can i just yeah. go on this retreat yeah and she's like so worried that they're classmates. gonna like be upset and, and lillian's like not only are we gonna let you go but we're gonna pay for you and and you oh it's just so sweet and then like the example that lillian was like one of the first people she'd ever seen be in a relationship by choice and not had an arranged marriage yeah and how that affected her and like it changed the way like it made her want to not only want to but think that it was possible for her to like find love that was like real and good and wasn't mm-hmm. forced and taking advantage of her um oh. sweet baby and she did so, and i'm so happy for her and her husband so good this I is mean, an she, uplifting book guys yeah like it's horrifying for halloween but this is a book that if you want to feel like there's hope read this book like get to the end don't read just the beginning because the beginning's yeah. pretty bad. 
but like <laughs> finish it and it's so it's so good oh like God. it really is a testament to like humanity's ability to heal and move forward in the face oh my of god like, yes because oh she god. experiences so much hardship like she goes through so much and at the end she's like obviously it's not easy in any way but she's like a person and mm-hmm. she like has healthy relationships with people and like she talks about going to therapy and like yeah, how that helped like, her it, she like, talks not only about how like the fact that she healed but how hard it was to heal yes and how much yes. effort it took and how much like she didn't want to go to her therapy sessions she didn't want to confront her past but she realized like she had to purge it like mm-hmm. she had to work through it to get to the other side oh my god it's so good it's just i really respect her yeah yeah like a lot she i think she did like a ted talk that you can probably find online yeah when i googled her to like make sure i like check for any more background information a bunch of like little videos came up and i didn't have time to watch them yeah um, I might. but you might do that she just has so much strength and like and not because she just has it like she worked for it you know yeah all that to say for memorability i gave it a five me too <laughs> yeah which i like, think that is was, have i given any other books given, a five no, we haven't given anything a five so far. Oh, wow. This is the first five we've given. And you know what? I feel like giving anything less than a five for this would be an insult to Like her. for memorability? Yeah. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Like, just because what happened... Like, this is the kind of story that I think if you read it as fiction, if it was the exact same thing, but... But fictional? A fiction, it wouldn't be memorable. But the fact that it is a real story and this really mm-hmm. happened to someone, like... Just, like, hearing about the things that happened to her as a child is dumbfounding. Yeah. I think we should take out believability for this. Yeah, I agree. Because that doesn't make sense to rate. No. <laughs> as like, this is a memoir. Literally, yeah. I Because I put in my notes, believability dash three question marks. Three question marks? <laughs> because I was like, we can't rate this because Yeah, like, how happened? would you even... Like, I guess it would be an automatic five because it... <laughs> but, like, that feels like a... That that's gonna inflate it too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All that to say, my final score was a four point oh. Mine was a three point eight. So our average then is a a hot three point nine. A hot three point nine. The, the highest we've ever rated rating. anything. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a it's a good book. Yeah, it's book. a really good book. I highly recommend this well. book. Honestly, as long as you don't mind the religion things at the end um and you mm-hmm. like memoirs read this book yeah you know if you read memoirs, or if you're, this is one to read yeah or if you're interested in cults in any way i feel like this is a pretty good like like i didn't know i i, I feel like i learned a lot yeah i agree from the book um, and you know i will say it's kind of refreshing to read a book that is cult related but it's not about the cult leader like because i think this yeah. actually gives you an insight into what it was like to be one of those members and i think it's really easy to like look at those people and be like they're just crazy they're totally different i could never fall for that that's insane yeah and then you read this from her perspective and you're like no she was like a normal kid like yeah she wanted and to her- have friends at school she yeah. wanted to fit in she wanted to be loved and cared for like she wanted all the same things we wanted she had you know some siblings she got along with some she didn't you know yeah and like even the adults like they're in a cult obviously but like they have humanizing moments because they are human you know like it's it's not just this 
picture of them as like, oh, whatever, you're crazy. Like it's like, yes, they're some of them are doing horrible things, and obviously don't be in a cult. But like, <laughs> I'm not pro cult. <laughs> uh, but like, she loved her mom, and yeah. her mom loved her so much, and like, just these moments of like, you're a person. Yeah, you know. Like- even the adults who did atrocious things, you still got to see, A, sometimes how they changed and turned away and were able to escape the cult, even after mm-hmm. they had, like, murdered people. Um, or B, how even if they stayed in it, how they were still they were still people. Like, yeah, some of the sister wives that we now know, like, ended up going to prison. Um how you know they had the same like kind of petty arguments because their kids you know they want their kids to get better treatment or you know they have their favorites they have things they like and dislike and you know they have moods like the rest of us Mm -hmm. like it was so bizarre to see how normal they were in some ways yeah like there's a point where she's living there's that long period of time where she gets to live with her mom as a teenager. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. Um, and they had never been allowed to have Christmas before because that's a pagan holiday. And her dad died, right, in 81. And so she's, like, allowed to get a Christmas tree because she gets it for free from a family she babysits for. Also, she has, like, afternoon, like after-school jobs, like, babysitting, you know? Yeah. And, like, her family's like, okay, we're in a cult, but sure, we can have a Christmas tree because our kids Mm -hmm. want, like, I want to be able to give that joy to my kids. Like, they're still a family, and that's the most bizarre thing and the most humanizing thing. Yeah, it's both very weird, but also very, like, I don't want to just keep saying humanizing, but (laughs) but it is, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it makes them not just this, like, flat caricature of what people in cults are like yeah which makes sense because it's a memoir these are things that happened um these are real but people yeah with you get complexities this, yes and you, and you get that complexity from the memoir in ways that you might not necessarily get from fiction which a yeah. good fiction or would from nonfiction but, um, that's not a memoir yes that's true that is true that's a good point um but yeah to so all honest, that to say if you're interested in cults i'm like a little bit tired um and this is like the big ted bundy thing happening right now I'm a little bit tired of hearing about these things from the perspective of like talking about how charismatic and a genius and whatever, whoever the perpetrator of whatever crime is. Um, And I'm more interested in the stories of the people who were affected by those things. And I think this is a nice route for that. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's not about herbal. Mm -mm. It's about the people that were affected. Mm -hmm. It's about the ways that herbal messed up people and how life goes on and they had to keep moving you know yeah because he dies pretty early in the book yeah <laughs> i mean consider- you know yeah he does it's not like the beginning or anything but like when he no. dies you're like there's a lot of book left yeah you're like that he's gone <laughs> <Push mark>. <laughs> goodbye <laughs> bye i guess so. yeah it's crazy yeah um so our overall rating is a 3.9 high rating yeah. marcy what are we reading next week or next episode episode yeah episode six um episode six first of all is going to be released on halloween it's going to be a super extra special 
spooky episode you're getting a few days early you're welcome we just wanted to be able to keep it spooky so we thought halloween's the perfect day to do that because once it's november it's christmas Um, you know how it is (laughs) so look out for that episode on halloween we are going to be reading the sacred lies of minnow bly which is about gray you picked the book what's it about oh the book is about a girl who was in a cult this one is actually way more spooky from what i've started it already um than the polygamous daughter uh which was just you know uplifting and wonderful uh sacred lies is about a girl who escapes a cult um her hands have been cut off by the people in this cult as punishment um and the book starts with her going to prison for the murder of someone that you you don't know why she's done it necessarily and you don't really understand how she's gotten in this position but um from what I've seen in the reviews, it's a lot of her dealing with the aftermath of the horrible mental and also physical trauma that she's endured. Um, and like the cult still haunting her, basically. What kind um, of cult was she in? Do we know yet? I think it was religious. I know that they were secluded, like based like 100% secluded from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like do they live unlike- on like a commune or something? Yeah, it's like in the middle of nowhere. Like that like kind a, of cult. Yeah. Um, but I'm still pretty early on, so I don't know the specifics. But um, it has really good reviews, so I'm excited to read it. Um, I'm excited for my segment next week, which I haven't finished writing, but I'm. it's going to be good. It's going to be spooktacular. I'm very excited Spook, for your segment next week. Spooktas- Is it going to be spooky? Spooky-tastic. Wait. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Help me out. Yeah. <laughs> Spook-tacular. There you go. Yes. You found it. I did it. Literally every single time, my brain was like, mm-mm, 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 <laughs> not going to work. So, um, any announcements other than it's coming out on Halloween? It's coming out on Halloween. Um, after that, we'll be back to our Monday release. Yes. So, of course, we're like, we're changing the release date, except for the next date's different, but then after that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. Oh, and um, our... Um, our website. Yes. Check it out. Bookend BookendSiblings.com. Really, though, do check it out because I wrote actually a lot it's more detailed cute. reviews than what I gave in this episode for The Garbage Pail because if I had mm-hmm. gone through every single thing for every single book, this would have been a four-hour episode. So if you're interested in reading or finding out more about any of the books I mentioned, please go to BookendSiblings.com. We make a blog post for every single episode with sort of more details um and those are also really easily shareable on social media if you're wanting to for some reason share our podcast with people so book and siblings.com for some reason the reason is we're awesome (laughs) um another thing about book and siblings i'm very excited about is that you can search by genre um which doesn't necessarily matter right now when we only have five episodes but as we build up more and more um you're going to be able to go on there and be like oh i'm looking for a book in well great example the horror genre and you'll be able to click that and find our post about everything we've ever read that fits into horror so that's really exciting um i really like our website please check it out it's cute it's a good resource it's very cute it's really good for this episode specifically because this was a doozy yes a doozy also check out our twitter also bookend siblings um for like updates and fun little things i run it so it's silly And I mostly run the website, although we switch off with blog posts. So, yes, yeah. So, all right. With Will that, that be it for this episode, Marcy? I think that's everything. Um, you know. What? Hi, mom. Hi, mom. How you doing? 
She really wanted to listen to this episode. Did she really? Is she excited? Very badly. Aww. Yeah, she's extremely excited. I'm so sorry. It's like a little late, Mom. Yeah. She can listen to sorry, it. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Love you. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Come back on we'll Halloween. We'll see you next week. For some spooky. On Halloween. Halloween.